Well, we are on a series called Pursue. We just launched this series last week. Pastor Jan Stahl opened up on that. And, uh, and uh, in this series on Pursue, uh, there's a few things we're trying to accomplish. We wanted to give you a little prayer journal uh, or Bible reading journal to write notes for sermons and even your own devotions as you read the Bible. How many have received one of these? You can wave them at me. We brought them to church. Okay, we had a pretty good response. God bless you guys. And uh, if you haven't, we have them somewhere at the door or somewhere in the foyer. I don't know exactly the specific place, but you can get them. And uh, this is, we're trying to every sermon series to give you an object to work with. This is so you can start journaling as a personal discipline as you're reading the scripture, getting an insider God speaks to you, might speak to something in your heart today uh, as, as we preach. Pursue. There's a scripture in the front of it. It's 1 Timothy 6, 11 to 12. It's out of the message. Pursue a righteous life, a life of wonder, faith, love, steadiness, courtesy. Run hard and fast in the faith. Seize the eternal life, the life you were called to, the life you so fervently, so fervently embraced in the presence of so many witnesses. That, that verse doesn't capture a lackadaisical follower of Jesus. It kind of puts in what the spirit of someone who is a follower of Jesus is. They pursue, they seize, they chase. And so on the inside cover, we put a definition of pursue there. In the inside cover, the verb pursue means to chase after someone or something. How many people know that chasing after Jesus is a worthy thing? Going after the will of God is a worthy thing. Engage in an activity or a course of action. Not just be an observer, not just be a fan, but actually be a follower and one who experiences it. Seek to attain or accomplish a goal, and especially over a long period of time. We have four pursuits at City Harvest Church. This is our mission statement. We want to pursue, we want to chase after, we want to seek, we want to engage in a relationship with God. We believe it involves prayer, we believe it involves fasting, which I'm going to talk to you about today. We believe it involves your relationship with the Bible, reading it, knowing it, understanding it, applying it in your life, and it involves worship. We want to pursue people, we're called to love people, and in that, we're to love one another in the context of New Testament community. We just don't want to be a center, a crowd, strangers to one another. We want to share life with each other. We want to truly love one another. The world can look on and say, look how much they love one another. And as Jesus said in John 17, 23, men will know when they see that love that, Father, you have sent me. That's what we want to do. That means we pursue the third thing, which is the purpose of God. I mean, it's the gospel. We're declaring to people the event. Remember the event? There's an event that took place, and there's an event coming called the second coming of Jesus. And Jesus died for the sins of people. We're declaring they can be free and that he will change them. And he demonstrated was God by rising from the dead and that he's coming again. Come on, we want to bring people into discipleship. We want them to become followers of Jesus. And then we want to repeat it over and over and over again through global church planning. Amen, David and Sherry, amen. Come on, these are my heroes here. It's great to have them back. And get them, get them back, eat some steak instead of lentils, and we're going to fatten them up. 
And then we, then we pursue God's power. Come on, we want, that takes faith, the gift of faith, the life of faith, the spirit of faith, the confession of faith. Come on, these things are not gonna take place because we're pessimists, negative, unbelieving, cynical, skeptical. Come on, it's gonna require faith. We believe we need miracles to testify of Jesus, miracles to get us to fulfill the mission. And we need the intervention of heaven, whether it's protection or it's provision or whatever that might mean. We need heaven to intervene on, on, on our behalf as we pursue the purpose of God. So this series is about passion. This series is about commitment to a cause. This series is about a life of spiritual disciplines. And this series is also on how to pursue these things. And so, Lord willing, we're going to be equipping on how do I fast? How do I pray? How do I worship? How do I read the Bible? How do I share my faith? How would I disciple somebody? How do I exercise faith to see God come and, and, and show himself alive in the mission I'm in? How can I love one another? How can I live in community? We want to equip people to do this. And I want to just say this and coming out of the gate today. Because of what Jesus has done for me and what he has done for you, by dying on the cross for, for my sins and for your sins, I am now free. I am free from all condemnation. I am acquitted. I am completely acquitted from all guilt of everything that I have ever done. I am free from condemnation. I am free from rejection. I am free from accusation. I am absolutely, completely adopted by God, my Father, through his Son, Jesus Christ. And because I'm free, I am free now to chase after God. I am free now to go after something and go after someone. I am free now to be a seeker. I am free to engage in the ministry and in the, the work of the Spirit that he has called me to walk with him in. I'm free to do that. It's very important. You've got to understand, you're just not free to go do your thing. You're free to run after him. And so we're pursuing this thing. We're talking about, today, we're going to be talking about fasting, pursuing God through fasting. This is an exciting sermon, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm thinking, man, how am I going to, I'm going to butter this thing up? <laughs> My text is, at, is, is Mark chapter 2, verse 18 to 22. Now, John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. I want you to notice that fasting was a part of the lifestyle and the culture of strict sects of Judaism in Jesus' time. You know the, sto the story, the parable Jesus told of the Pharisee and the publican in Luke 18. You may not be familiar with that, but the Pharisee was boasting, I fast twice a week. Fasting was a part of their lifestyle. And people came and said to him, why, why do John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fast? But your disciples do not fast. And so we're going to see what Jesus responds to that. And Jesus said to them, can the wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? Now, the one thing I, I don't want to even encourage you to do is fast and go to a wedding. <laughs> it's a time of celebration. The Bible says there's a time for every purpose under heaven. There are, Jesus is saying there's a time not to fast. 
We don't fast when we're in celebration. You know, I mean, you know, congratulations on your wedding. I've been grieving for you. <laughs> Doesn't quite fit. I'm telling you, this is a mournful day. Want some cake? No, I can't do cake. I'm fasting for you. I grieve. I'm worried. It's a time of celebration. We also fast because we're celebrating his presence. Jesus said they're not fasting because they have me. Why would they mourn in my presence? Why would they mourn when I am with them? Why wouldn't they mourn when they have me? It's feast time. But Jesus goes on to say, the days, and so the bridegroom is with them. They cannot fast. They cannot fast. As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away, when Jesus is resurrected and ascends into heaven, he's taken away from them. And then, and then they will fast in that day. So Jesus said there's going to come a time when I'm going to be physically removed from them. I'm going to send into heaven. And when that takes place, they're going to fast. That's their season of fasting. And then he goes on to say this. No one sews a, a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. If he does, the patch tears away from it. The new from the old and a worse tear is made. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the wine will burst the skins. And the wine is destroyed and so are the skins. But the new wine is for fresh wineskins. And so what Jesus was saying, this form of fasting is not going to be legalistic. It's not going to fit the legalistic system of the Pharisees or the rabbis or the Mosaic economy. It's going to fit within a new system of grace and how we operate. So we need to kind of, we need to grab a hold of that when we just talk about fasting. I want, first thing I want to do is everybody just kind of be released from guilt today about maybe your struggles with this thing called fasting. And let's get rid of all the guilt and let's take some steps of action to move forward. The problem with guilt, it paralyzes people from moving forward. Right. And so Jesus said, come on, you don't put new wine into wineskins. No one's pointing their finger at you. But I am going to provoke you to do this thing called fasting and hopefully equip you to make this a, a great journey for you. We come closer to God. Now, the New Testament does not command us to fast. It expects us to fast. There's an assumption in the New Testament that if you're a follower, if you're a pursuer of Jesus, the thing you're going to do is fast. Jesus said this in Matthew 6, 16. And when... Not if, not if, not if, you know, occasionally this might come up. No, and when, and when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. In other words, he says, don't walk around like a martyr. Would you like a Big Mac? I cannot. <laughs> I cannot have a Big Mac. You know, don't be weeping. What's wrong, brother? Just seeking the Lord. <laughs> Harden up, toughen up, suck it up, and just wash your face and go around a normal business. And what's happening inside of you is between you and God. That's what he's saying. Now, looking at this, let's answer the question, 
of what is fasting. Fasting basically is abstaining from all food for a period of time. And in a more extreme way is going without food and water. You say, was that ever in the Bible? Yeah, Acts 9.9, when the Apostle Paul, who was Saul of Tarsus at the time of the, of the historical record of Acts 9, God met him in a very um, ungentlemanly way. How many people have ever heard, you know, God's a gentleman. You'll never do something against your will. Acts 9 throws that out. He knocked Paul over and blinded him. They got up, what do you want me to do? Go to Damascus, stay put, and you'll be told what you must do. No, no option, no altar call, no four spiritual laws, just a right hook from heaven. They're hauled off to Damascus. I'll give you your orders. Well, where's the free will? I don't know. Got thrown out. And he goes three days without food and water, praying and interceding. That's an extreme fast. What I'm de describing to you would be known as a regular fast. When Jesus, for instance, he fasted for 40 days, it doesn't say he went without water. It just says he fasted without food. He went without food for 40 days. He fasted. Because it said he was, when he was hungry, not when he was thirsty. And so it's a regular fast. Okay, you're doing a fast just like Jesus. Some of you may do an extreme fast. I've never done an extreme fast where I've gone without water. I cramp too much when I just do water. Because I would hate to see if I didn't have any water. I'd, I'd spend my whole fast in rigor mortis. And um, <laughs> it's hard. Regular fast. You actually, just to kind of get you tuned in mentally on this, every one of you fasts, you don't even know it. You fast after you eat your last meal at night and you go sleeping through the night. Let's say you ate at 8 o'clock and you went to bed at 9.30 and you wake up at 6 Okay, you have already fasted, you know, what, now about 10 hours. And you have your first meal of the day, and what do we call it? Or break fast. <laughs> I never knew. Well, now you do. You fast all the time. You know, there are other types of fasts. There's... There's partial fast. That would be abstaining from certain types of foods over a period of time. We know in Daniel 1.12, Daniel and the other young men that were brought into the, the court of, of the king of, of Babylon, they were asked to eat as delicate foods. Most likely the foods were associated with idolatry. And, and Daniel, or some of them were unclean foods he couldn't eat as a, as a Jew. And he says, let us just eat vegetables. And he said to the guy that took care of him, the ward over all the eunuchs, he said, and watch what happens to us. We'll outshine them. And that was a partial fast. We call that a, a Daniel fast. Uh, and I like Daniel fast. My only problem with Daniel fast sometimes when you do it as a church, it's more about everybody sharing their food preparation, you know, on Facebook and Instagram. It's all about dishes and all about, you know, who, who's, who had the better vegan burrito. And uh, that's what you do. You eat nothing but vegan burritos for the whole time. In fact, we went to Muchas Gracias. They have a vegan burrito there. Hundreds of City Harvest Church people were going to Muchas Gracias. I mean, they, they probably were stocking up with, with vegan burrito stuff all the time. Then one day, it just stopped. I don't know how much money Muchas Gracias lost. One day, it just stopped. All those customers stopped coming. But uh, that's a partial fast. And then there's, of course, there's, there, you don't, don't laugh on this. There's actually a sexual fast. 
And some Christians practice that all the time. But anyway. <laughs> Hush. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, Paul, encouraging them, husband and wife, to be consistent in their intimacy, has said, except you agree for a period of time, you're going to be devoting that time to the Lord. And then make sure you come back together unless you be tempted. And so there's a, there's a sexual fast. Now, some people can't fast food because of medical issues. Now, I just want to say this. I'm going to push the envelope a little bit. Make sure that's true with you. And, and not untrue. They've actually had studies like with people with diabetes, it's actually helped some people with type 2 diabetes fasting. And I know I have kind of a hypoglycemic thing. You know, you give me like a big giant, you know, plate of spaghetti at lunchtime, I'm asleep at, you know, at 1.30. I can't counsel anybody. Bob went into comat comatose heaven. He's off someplace. And, uh, you know, so I understand that. But there's actually, they found out it's pretty good for you. So make sure it is a medical reason. Some of, some of you have true, legit medical issues why you can't. You might be able to partial fast. But some go on activity fasts. And not mentioned in the Bible, but this involves maybe you're abstaining from certain activities so that you might take your energy and your focus and devote it to the Lord. Now, let's talk about Staining food. Fasting is more than looking good during swimsuit season. <laughs> now there are there are diets now, and we're, you know the sun came out. We just had rain, 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 rain. Sixty degree, fifty-five degree weather, and all of a sudden, bing, eighty-five, ninety. We don't even have a spring around here anymore. We just go from winter to summer. How <laughs> was spring? It lasted a week, but. Uh, <laughs> No one got a chance to diet for the summer season, put on your swimsuits. But, you know, some people do diet. There's, there's, a, there's a diet out now called intermittent fasting. And uh, there's three types of programs. You could go fasting every day for 20 hours. They allow you to drink coffee with a little cream, no sugar. And uh, you might have, let you have a Diet Coke. And then at 8 o'clock at night, from midnight, midnight or whenever your four-hour period is, you just pound on. That's called the warrior's fast. And then there's an intermittent fasting one where you basically go 16 hours off, no food, and eight hours on. You have an eight-hour window to eat it. I've actually used it now traveling because it helps me uh, not to gain weight on the road. Because I go on the road, everyone tries to feed me everything that's bad for me. And so I have a little eight-hour window to try to eat, and I take in less calories. And it actually helped me not gain weight on the road. But that's not a fast to the Lord. Can you really do that? Yeah, you just get some coffee, a little Diet Coke, you know, some stimulants you can get through. All right. <laughs> this is not what we're talking about. It's not about swimsuit season. It's not about losing weight. We're talking about why we're fasting. I fast because I draw, I want to, I fast to draw my attention away from material things to focus on God. Material things. What would material things be like? Food, movies, checklists, shopping, projects, food specifically because food represents the core of our natural appetites. And it isn't amazing how much visualization and marketing goes on with food. We just drive down Highway 99, you know, tacos, 99 cents, you know, get two for one, you know, it's just billboards and food. I got Natalie here, my daughter, she's modern proper. She 
makes food, takes pictures, and everyone loves her. Traeger gave her a barbecue. Cook our stuff, Natalie. <laughs> so tomorrow I get to have a brisket cooked from a Traeger, and you're not welcome. <laughs> you can't come. It's for us. But food, you just food, how much food preparation? So it's just like 80,000, 90,000 followers like the food pictures. We have food, 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 food. Uh, I love food. I love, food is great, and it tastes good because God is good, amen? He gives us richly all things to enjoy. There's a marriage supper of the Lamb. Food's good. But man, it can really capture our whole affection. Preparing the meal, talking about the meal, fantasizing about the meal. I fantasize. I have fantasies about food. I'm just confessing to you. I'm just being a brother in Christ here. But it, it consumes me in preparing it. Sue can tell you, I love, I love going to the grocery store. And I love doing my thing and get out of the kitchen, Sue. It's your kitchen, but I want to cook. And I love food. It can consume a lot of our energy. And let's look at the first sin of man. Back to the book of Genesis. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food. Now, let's just stop right there. I want to infer here that prior to this, she was not thinking about food. Not that she didn't eat food, but her focus was not upon food. God sustained her. God gave her things to eat. She, you know, she, she basically did not live to eat. She ate to live. But there was this place where all of a sudden she became highly conscious of this food. All the things that you read in the paper from terrorism to violence in the streets to riots to betrayals to theft and burglary and embezzlement and oppression and extortion all started in the human race over man becoming more conscious of food than he was of God. This is a heavy thing. This is not a light thing. And this theme that I just stated, I can substantiate all through Scripture. It's an issue. It's an issue. And it says, and it was the delight to the eyes, and the tree was to be desired to make one's wise, make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate. Her focus and her devotion was on God. And food drew her attention away. In the Bible, probably one of the most famous story about being consumed with material things over spiritual things is the story of Esau, the firstborn son of Isaac and Rebekah. The Bible says he was a man of the field. He was a hunter. He was a, he was a man's man. He was a stud. He was, he'd come out hunting. And his brother, his younger brother, Jacob, he was more of a, a fine man, it says. I think he was just a man who, who could cook. He had a lot of skills, administrative skills. He just wasn't rugged. He was smooth-skinned. Esau was red and hairy. I mean, I don't know what he looked like, but it doesn't sound good. <laughs> he comes in hunting all day, and he's hungry, and Jacob is cooking, and he basically he wants food. But Jacob's a sneaky guy. He wants, his, he wants his brother's birthright. He's starving. He's a hunter. He's starving. He says, well, you know what? I'll give you this soup if you give me your birthright. The birthright is everything in this culture. The firstborn son got 
double inheritance than anybody else in the family. The firstborn son acted in authority in place of his father. The firstborn son was the one who had authority in the family in his father's absence. I mean, it was a big thing. Esau despised his birthright. And he says, I'll exchange it for food. Let's take food out and let's just put things. I'm going to throw away my birthright for things. It could be a checklist. It could be projects. It could be fixing things. It could be buying things. It could be doing things. But I'm going to sell my birthright for it. It means more to me than chasing Jesus. It means more to me than pursuing Jesus. And I'll sell it away, my relationship for things. Eugene Peterson, describing Hebrews 11, which or Hebrews 12, which talks about this, states it this way. He says, watch out for the Esau syndrome. Trading away God's lifelong gift in order to satisfy a short-term appetite. You well know how Esau later regretted that impulsive act and wanted God's blessing. His brother stole his blessing from him, and his father couldn't give him a blessing because it was stolen. But by then, it was too late. Tears or no tears. We need to fast as followers and pursuers of Jesus because we got to watch out for the Esau syndrome in our life where things that pass mean more to us than Jesus himself. And that's why we need to fast. Now, I fast to grieve before God. Grieve before God. David said it this way. But I, when they were sick, I, I wore sackcloth. I, I afflicted myself with fasting. I prayed with head bowed on my chest. I, I, went, I went about as though I grieved for my friend or my brother. As one who laments his mother, I bowed down in mourning. That's pretty intense. I should grieve over circumstances that people are facing. Did you hear about the, the Smiths? You know, they lost their house in a fire. Hey, bummer, man, bummer. Hey, you want to go to Baja Fresh, have lunch? That's it? I want to talk about this movie we're going to go to tonight. We just, we just talked about someone just lost their house in a fire. We grieve over circumstances. We, we grieve over people going through horrible things. We, we grieve over things that may be coming and happening in the church. We, we grieve over our own shortcomings, our own secret sins, our own things that we're personally struggling with. We, we grieve over losses. So really, fasting involves deep repentance, where I deeply repent of maybe secret things in my life that I gotta get rid of in my life, and I need God's help to loose them out of my life. I grieve because I identify with other people who are going through things. David is talking about, I did this for them. I did this for what they were going through. I did this for what they were suffering. And I identify with them. And I also grieve so that I might receive comfort because of loss. We don't grieve real well in our culture. 
in the, in the Middle East, in the Orient, they, they knew how to grieve. When someone died, they would, like, grieve for seven days. There would be grief. They would, they would get it out of their system. And the fruit of that is comfort. The fruit of that is God comes and he comforts. But if I shut it down and I lock it away and I buck up and I don't even think about it, I never receive the comfort of God. The problem is when you bury something in your backyard, some dead animal, and you just drop a little you know, touch of sand on it, eventually it's going to stink up the whole place. You'll begin to stink in some place. The situation that I'm facing right now is not, has nothing to do with me but some other people. I, I didn't realize how much I was grieving inside until I started becoming reactive to other things. It was grieving me so much. We need to grieve better. We need to repent better. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, God. I'm sorry I did that. Versus, God, take this thing out of my life. We need to grieve with people. Lord, they're going through this thing, and I'm, I'm going to go through it with them. I'm going to, when the Bible says weep with those who weep, it's not figurative. Weep, grieve, move through that thing. And fasting involves grieving. Well, Bob, this is not fun. No, fasting is opposite of celebration. It's not, hey, we're fasting today. Woo! Party. No, it ain't party time. I try to joke with people during a corporate fast just to keep their head in the game, but it's not party time. It's grieving time. I fast to humble myself before God. David said, yet when they were ill, I put on sackcloth and humbled myself with fasting. I'm reaching for, I'm surrendering to, I'm depending upon someone greater than me. I fast to strengthen my prayers. Joel chapter 2, verse, verse 12 says, even now declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart. I'm going to say all your heart. And he describes what that means with fasting and weeping and mourning. This is the key to understanding why we fast. God is not responding to a hunger strike. All right, got 10 days out eating food, God. 10 days. Well, we better get down there and help him out or he's going to die starving himself to death. God is not responding to your hunger pains. Oh, look at that. Man, they're just hurting. Let's, let's, let's go. God's not saying, I want a little more pain, a little more pain, a little bit more pain, a little bit more pain. No, he's not saying that. He's not responding to that at all. What's happening in fasting, fasting is changing my heart. Fasting is changing my devotion. It's changing my focus from things to God. It's changing my faith from cynicism to belief. It's changing me from my agenda to God's agenda. And this is the principle of the thing. Fasting does something in my heart where my heart increases in faith. My will is aligned to the will of God and my focus is completely upon Jesus himself. And then God says, I will respond to that heart. That's what he's responding to. He's responding to our heart. It's what fasting does to this that God responds to. And I fast to become righteous in my actions. Isaiah 58 says, it's not this the fast that I choose. Obviously, they were fasting, 
but they weren't fasting the way God wanted them to fast. They were not fasting for the things God had wanted them to fast for. To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke. Guess what they were supposed to be fasting for? The deliverance of oppression. You see what they were doing? They were oppressing other Jews. They were ignoring poverty. They were having laws and exacting labor out of people and not giving them fair wages. And then they're asking God to do things for them. He says, that's not the fast I chose. I, fa- I, I, choose, I want you to fast for justice. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house? And when you see the naked, to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? You fast for those things. This is what's going to happen. Then shall your light break forth like the dawn. Your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. And the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Now, that's a lot of fancy things, but it sounds pretty positive, doesn't it? Come on, I'm fasting that I might become more loving towards my neighbor. I'm, la- I'm fasting so I might see justice happen to people and that I might be an instrument of that justice for people. I'm fasting for freedom and deliverance. Now, this can be associated with me. I could be fasting for God to break addictions in my life. In fact, if you have an addiction, there's no condemnation. You've got to fight on your hands. But one of the keys for you to overcome is not just to find out your triggers not just to find out your inner pain, not just to find out, you know, the patterns that led you to that, but part of the key to that is fasting. I need God, you to loose the bands of wickedness off of me. It's a part of the recipe. So how do I fast? Let's bring this to a close. First, go slow. I would not, if you've never fasted before, say, I'm going to fast for seven days. No, you won't. (laughs) You're just just not ready. You know, I would, you just got to get used to it. And um, some of you, as we already said, you can't. So you got to get yourself used to it. So work your way up to it. Skip a meal. Try, I'm going to eat breakfast, but I'm not going to eat lunch. And during lunchtime, I'm going to, Go find a car at my car at work or my office, and I'm just going to go without food until dinner time. You're, I'm going I'm, I'm to tell you right now, that's going to be the most miserable lunch you have ever experienced. <laughs> Your body is going to say, feed me, and you're just going to say, no. Try a half a day. Try sun up to sundown. Try work your way. So you just, you just got to get used to mentally not eating. And you got to say to your body, you don't need to eat right now. Prepare and put a plan together. In other words, do away with caffeine and soda. When you have a headache when you're fasting, that is not because fasting is hurting your body. That is your body actually starting to heal itself. Oh, man, there's something wrong with me. (laughs) Yeah, it's what you've been taking into your body. Cleanse your body. Get yourself ready. Get away from soda. Get away from caffeine. Help yourself move in. A lot of people like in a three-day fast, they spend the first day and a half with giant headaches. That's from caffeine. Wean yourself off of that. Abstain from distracting activities. Now, this is not a time to lie on the couch and suffer by watching TV. (laughs) 
what are you doing? I'm just hanging on. I'm binging on, you know, some program. It's a devoted time. Pray through meal times. You're fasting so that you won't spend your time, those times of preparing and eating the meal, on, on preparing and eating a meal. But you would spend your time, you'd do preparing and eating the meal to pray. This is not rocket science. This is why you're doing it. Don't sit at your kitchen table and look at your cupboards and the refrigerator open and just <laughs> stare at it. Jonathan Owens tells the most funny story I've ever heard. He was a bodybuilder. And bodybuilders have to actually lean out and they, they, they kind of go on a partial fast and he was starving to death before a bodybuilding contest and he went to a grocery store. You got to know J.O. J.O.'s just kind of this way because he just wanted to go through the aisles and smell food. <laughs> and he, and he, he got to the cookie section and he was smelling these Oreo cookies and he couldn't handle it and he just ripped the package open <laughs> and he took these, these Oreo cookies and he just started fe feeding his face and you know how kind of hard the, the cover is. He actually cut his lip because he so, so he now had to pay for it. He's got this broken package of, of, of Oreo cookies. He's got chocolate and blood all over his face. He walks up to the checker. He has to buy this packet. Don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> Pray through mealtimes. This is not a starvation diet. This is a time to seek after the Lord. Come on. Grieve in prayer for certain circumstances. Open the box of your own heart where you need to be comforted by God. This is a part of this. God, I need comfort. I'm fasting. I need your comfort. I need, I need to bring it out, how this has affected me. Fasting will help through that. Grieve for other people. I try to, like this last fast we did, I, I tried to pray. There's three or four situations that people are facing in this church that have a special burden on my heart. And I mean, every time I prayed, I just brought those situations up. Lord, they're... They're hurting. I'm, I'm praying for these situations because I, I want to identify with them. Pray when feeling overwhelmed by hunger, and you will feel overwhelmed by hunger. That doesn't mean you're starving. Your body just needs to go after its fat. Fat's good. Fat will give you a lot of good energy, and, and most of us have a lot of it. It'll go after that. It'll go after that. It'll, 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 you'll get some energy. It'd be amazing when you pray through that how those hunger feelings will go away as you're praying. How do I fast? Read scripture and meditate on it. Our focus is on the will of God. And the will of God is revealed in the book. Amen? Amen. Did you read your Bible during your fast? No, I just binged on TV shows. I couldn't get off the couch. <laughs> then don't fast. Okay, that's not... It'd be better if you just skipped one meal and just really meditate on the scriptures if that's where you're at right now. It's to the Lord. Journal what God speaks to you. Journal. Write down the thoughts of God. This is a two-way conversation. You know, when we started City Harvest Church, I was encouraged by Dick Iverson to go on a 30-day juice fast. And, and uh, I always joke with everybody that I miraculously finished it in 26 days. <laughs> but I was also building my home. Women and I were... We're actually doing all the electrical work. I was up on trusses at midnight, one in the morning, getting up at six to go teach school for the whole day. It was, and I, was, I lost about 25, 30 pounds. I mean, I just, the weight just came off of me. But during that time, God spoke to me. And he spoke me out of the life of David in, in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 7. 
I think it's First Samuel chapter 7, maybe around 2 Samuel chapter 7, excuse me, where David wanted to build God a house, and God said, you're not going to build me a house, I'm going to build you a house. And I know it applied to David's lineage, not a physical building or a, or, or a kingdom, but it was him, that would be a, his throne would be established, and God says, you know, you're not going to build me a house, Bob, I'm going to build you a house. In other words, you don't have to work to death to do this. When I was in Africa in Uganda, Bob Grimm, pastor who was with me, came up to me, he says, Bob, I felt God speak to me when you were speaking tonight that God wanted to let you know that you're not going to build him a house. He's going to build you a house. God wants to speak to you during this time of fasting. Have your ear open to what he's saying. But keep listening to God after your fast. Sometimes God doesn't speak during the fast. He'll speak to you after the fast. Charlie Sweet, prophet to this church, was here at the Heathman, oh, about four years ago when he was here. He was with his wife. And he said to his wife, that man eating breakfast over there, I have a word for him. His wife kind of, you know, you better give it to him. You'll feel guilty if you don't, you know, kind of those things. He says, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to be wrong. Give him the word. So his wife got up, went over. His two guys were eating. This, and Charlie came up to him. He says, you know, sir, I, my name's Charlie. I'm a Christian. And God speaks to me, and I, I feel the Lord's told me that you're a pastor, and you've been seeking him for a particular answer, and here's the answer. The guy about dropped his fork. He says, I am a pastor, and this is a pastor eating with me. We're from Pasadena, California, and we just knew we needed to go someplace to fast for three days to get an answer on something. So we got a map out, and we just kind of drew our fingers, and we landed our fingers on this place called Vancouver, decided we'd fly here, and we'd fast here. We've been fasting three days. We heard nothing. So we decided to break the fast today. And what you just shared with me is the very thing we were fasting for. So sometimes God speaks to you after the fast. That's a drastic, intense example. But it is, God will speak to you maybe later on. Keep listening. And remember that God favors you through the merits of Christ, not your spiritual disciplines. Even if you fasted like crazy, we receive everything for what he has done for us on the cross. And sometimes, as a sovereign God, he blesses for reasons we don't even understand what he blesses. And he chooses to bless us in ways he chooses to bless us. Let's stand to our feet.